Hello and welcome to the D&D Roundtable on the Tome Show Podcast Network. I'm your host, James Intracasso. If this is your first time listening, welcome to the show. If you've been here before, do me a favor, go give us a baller rating on iTunes. It helps us a bunch. Seriously, if you've been listening to the Tome Show and paying nothing for it but want to help support us, go give us a shout out. It takes less than a minute of your time. In fact, I've started doing my own shout-outs to listeners who give us a great rating on the air. I'll read a new five-star rating verbatim on each episode and credit the person who left it. Make me say anything you want, but keep it clean, people. This is a family D&D podcast. Today's five-star review comes from listener T-Som. T-Som's review is entitled, Yes, Yes to the High Quality. Great review and news about D&D developments. Good energy from the host and his guests. They love the game I love and help me understand what's going on in the community. They keep the conversation focused. A rare treat in podcasts. And I can't agree enough about the high quality sound and editing. t you are my favorite. Thank you so much for this amazing review. People, if you want to be like T-Som, make me say whatever you want. Go give us a great five-star rating on iTunes. It will take you 30 seconds, and it helps us so much. Please use the affiliate links on thetomeshow.com whenever you shop on Amazon or the DMs Guild to help support the show. Just go to thetomeshow.com, click on the links in the show notes for this episode or any other, and then shop as you normally would. We'd also like to thank our sponsor for this podcast, noblenight.com, where Out of Print is available again. They have D&D and other tabletop RPGs. Any edition, any product. With Noble Knight, you can even sell them your old gaming products that you aren't using anymore. My product pick from Noble Knight for this episode is the out-of-print D&D Next Play Test Adventure, Legacy of the Crystal Shard. This bad boy takes first-level PCs deep into the heart of Icewind Dale for a great sandbox adventure, which pits heroes against an undead dragon, an angry ice witch, yetis, polar bears, pirates, and more. Takes you all the way up to level 3, possibly even beyond. Great artwork, killer story, awesome maps. This adventure is just $29.95 from Noble Knight, which is $5 off the original price at the time of this recording. Get it now at noblenight.com. Let's hear a quick word from them. Ooh, new ad. Support for the Tome Show comes from Noble Knight. From Noble Knight. Noble Knight? Knight. Knight? Thousands of tabletop gamers use a Noble Knight to sell new and out-of-print games and products at a discounted price. Noble Knight will also buy back the game products you aren't using anymore. NobleKnight.com, the brick-and-mortar online store where out-of-print is available again. Tell them the Tome Show sent you. I use Noble Knight. You do? I love it. It's trying to sound creepy, though. Today, we are talking about the awesome D&D events at Winter Fantasy. Let's meet our panel and kick things off with our get-to-know-you question. What's your favorite monster from the gothic horror genre? Travis Woodall, welcome back to the roundtable. Tell people a little about who you are, what your history is with gaming, and what your favorite monster from the gothic horror genre is. James, it is a pleasure to be back. Um, I've been playing games in one or more different ways since I was about 12, so a billion and a half years. Uh, my favorite uh, monster from the gothic horror uh, genre would be lycanthropes. Uh, 
Nice, nice. Good choice. Do you have a particularly favorite lycanthrope? I just kind of go old school, like werewolves. Yeah, yeah. They're classic. They're classic. Classy. You know, I'm a big were shark guy. Uh, but See, you can't go wrong with a were shark. Can't go wrong with the were shark. You weird. go third edition, go like a were baleen whale, but that's <laughs> yeah. If yeah. it's a third edition, it's got to be of legend, of legend with a demonic templin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. No, 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 no. Half dragon because dragons. Oh, right. Will yeah. Do that with anything. Fiendish half dragon. You got it. Of, of course. <laughs> uh, and Chris Lindsay is with us. Chris, welcome to the roundtable. What is your favorite monster from the gothic horror genre, and what's your history with gaming uh well i have a long sorted history with gaming i've been gaming since i was about oh, 10 mm-hmm. uh which was about 1939 <laughs> a long time ago um and uh uh i've done all kinds of things uh i came up through the rpga uh i played just about every edition ever created and now i am currently a uh the product marketing specialist at wizards of the coast for Dungeons and Dragons, which is really fancy words for saying that I, I make Dungeons and Dragons products uh, happen. I work mm-hmm. with uh, the whole team to make those occur and, and get them published. And uh, I also uh, am responsible for working with the admins for making the Adventures League happen. And uh, I am also the official guildmaster for the Dungeon Masters Guild at Wizards of the Coast. Yes, yeah, I was going to say that is your brainchild, correct? It is. Yeah, I invented that. I've been working on that since uh, 2010. Wow, wow. Well, congratulations on seeing the birth of your baby. That's pretty awesome. So uh... it is. It's, it's, I'm still watching it grow with bated breath. <laughs> well, it, it has been very kind to, uh, at, at least to me personally, I've been getting a lot of great products out of it. So uh, thank you very awesome. much for uh, for that. It's awesome to see what people are sharing and people are interested in. When it comes to gothic monsters, you cannot, you cannot do better than a good, solid possession. I love a ghost. Mm, yes. A good ghost is, that's probably the basis for all gothic horror, I would say. Uh, and so that's a good choice. That is a solid, solid choice. Well, Chris, welcome to the roundtable. Uh, Thanks. We also have Paige Lightman with us. Paige, why don't you tell us a little bit about your history with gaming and your favorite gothic horror monster? Uh, well, I have been playing Dungeons and Dragons uh, probably since I was ten or twelve, and which is for five editions ago. And I have been playing in organized play systems since 3rd Ed and Living Greyhawk and Living Force and Living Death. And I have been running conventions in the Atlanta area for probably 15 years um, and, and throughout the Southeast, particularly in the days of Living Greyhawk. My favorite gothic horror monster is kind of a weird one. It's the Panagolan. Which is the kind of floating female head with the organs and viscera kind of gruesomely draping below it that they have to pickle in vinegar each night. And uh, there was an actually truly terrifying uh, living death module with one of those in it that uh, actually just scared the bejesus out of everybody. That sounds like a high-maintenance kind of uh, gothic horror monster. Uh, They are. They're kind of like a... kind of a vampire-like monster from uh, Malaysia, I think. Nice, nice. Well, that's horrifying, and I'm Googly image-searching that right now. and uh, Wouldn't do it on a full stomach. No, no, no. Uh, that is a great choice. Great choice. Well, welcome to the roundtable, Paige. It's great to have you here. Ben Heisler is with us. Ben, 
tell us a little bit about your gaming history and what your favorite gothic horror monster is. So I'm curious if I'm the youngest person here. I actually started towards the end of 3.5 um, and kind of worked my way back. So, but I didn't actually join really any living campaigns or organized play until uh, Living Forgotten Realms. So I'm a, a primarily 4th edition to start person, though I, I did a little 3.5 before then. Uh, so I grew up in the dark times. Um <laughs> But uh, my history of gaming, I've done a lot of D&D since discovering organized play and living campaigns. Uh, I've been involved in a lot of other living campaigns like Shadowrun missions and uh, the previous living campaign for uh, Legend of the Five Rings, which was one that I really enjoyed. And uh, so that's my history. I work with Paige currently to do conventions and game days in the Atlanta area. We are in charge of, uh, we don't have any big ones coming up, but the really big one we have coming up uh, is Dragon Con, where mm. we're in charge of all of the uh, Dungeons & Dragons Adventures League there, for oh, better wow. or worse. Wow, that is, uh, that's huge. Uh, I used to live in Atlanta, and I'd gone to Dragon Con while I was living there. That is an enormous convention that I feel like a lot of people don't necessarily know about. Uh, it's awesome. I love Dragon Con. It it is awesome, and D anD D is is a tiny little part of it. I yes. I wouldn't claim to think that we do anywhere near as much awesome stuff as like Dave Chris does for Winter Fantasy or Origins or Gen Con. But we're at a big con, and we're promoting D anD D, and we have a lot of fun there. Uh, as far as my favorite Gothic monster, um, one of the few three five adventures that I got to play and really enjoy was the expedition to castle ravenloft and so the uh, the image of strahd up on the balcony has always kind of been my iconic horror monster admittedly it's the not the original but uh, i'm really looking forward to getting back to ravenloft and so i'm gonna go just with old-fashioned vampire nice nice can't go wrong with old-fashioned vampire Thank you, Ben. Uh, we're excited to have you on the roundtable as well. And another new person is coming up right now. Carl Resch is with us. Carl, what is your favorite gothic horror monster and what's your history with gaming? So my history with gaming, um, I started probably when I was 12. I played a lot of the Decipher uh, Lord of the Rings RPG. And then from there, my friends and I kind of, we weren't really doing anything with dice. We were just world building and whatnot until we discovered fourth edition, which was probably back in, I think, like 2010 winter, like right about this time, um, and started playing that. And that was when Wizards was taking open submissions and ideas. And so I just started pitching ideas and uh, they ended up accepting uh, The Trinket Lord, which was later published um, in August of 2012. And then from there, um, I just got emails asking if I wanted to alpha play test. And so from then on, I've just um, been getting the different drafts and whatnot and kind of getting to have fun with that. And so that's kind of where I'm at now. My favorite monster, though, would have to be I would go the Lycanthorpe and um, a specific one would be the werewolf. Oh, nice. To me, it's the whole uh, nature aspect of the monster and how it just is like wild and primal. Kind of that whole you're walking in the woods and all of a sudden something's chasing you. Nice, nice. Can't go but wrong with a werewolf. So I'm sure Travis is glad to have more people on Team Jacob with him over there. 
<laughs> yeah, <laughs> Team Jacob. <laughs> you don't have to wear a shirt if you're on Team Jacob. <laughs> Run around all sexy with no shirt, long hair. Uh, <laughs> you're welcome for I that. I feel dirty that we went here. <laughs> <laughs> well, of course, the reason we are talking about Gothic Horror Monsters is because we're going to talk about Winter Fantasy, and Winter Fantasy is the place where some of the premier Ravenloft Curse of Strahd storyline adventures were played uh, for the Adventurers League. So I am excited to dig in and to talk about all that. Of course, there was a lot of other D&D stuff happening at Winter Fantasy as well. Um, you know, I think Winter Fantasy is a con that is growing, uh, and I did not have the pleasure to go this year, so I'm going to have a lot of questions. And I don't think our listeners, you know, all of them did not get to go. So I want to hear about what was going on, what was happening with D&D, what was happening with other games and stuff while you were all there. Uh, so why don't we start with the question, what games did you play at Winter Fantasy? And Chris, why don't we start with you? I have a good feeling I know what the answer is. <laughs> so at Winter Fantasy, uh, I, I played some games and I ran some games. When it came to running games, uh, I had my own exclusive that, that I ran at Winter Fantasy twice uh, called Holocaust nice. Pursuit. Um, and, uh, it was, it was well received. Uh, people had a really good time playing that. I also ran, uh, a round of the, uh, initial Ravenloft, uh, offering, um, Suits in the Mists, I believe is what it was called. Um, and it is broken up into five mini scenarios, um, four of which you have to complete before you can uh, go into the fifth one. And of course the fifth one has that surprise ending. So, um, it was, it was a lot of fun. Now for playing, I did, uh, surprise, uh, the admins and I played in the Epic. Uh, and I told them it better be good. (laughs) (laughs) That was, that was, that was a hoot. And, and I did get an opportunity to sit down and play some shadows of the demon Lord, uh, Mm. the new game, uh, out by, uh, uh, Rob Swab, a good friend of mine. Uh, and that was just fantastic. Nice, nice. It sounds like you had a great uh, convention. Uh, so it was. talk to me a little bit about the exclusive you ran. Can you tell us what level it is? Because well, the author... Holocaust there... Pursuit is actually, uh, can be played at, at Tier 1, Tier 2, or Tier 3. So I can run an adventuring party uh, that is levels 1 to one to 4. I can run an adventuring party that's 5 to 10. Or I can run a party that's 11 to 15. So I have it. I have it set up so that my challenges kind of are altered somewhat, or they increase as you go up in level. So depending on what level you are, I can make it more or less challenging. Um, and and the adventure uh, basically uh, highlights the uh, exploits of a crazed um, celestial named Charnock who has managed to break into Candlekeep and stolen the Book of Vile Darkness. He is taking that up for nefarious purposes uh, into the Undermountain, and it is up to the uh, player characters to track him down in Undermountain uh, and stop him from whatever it is he's planning on doing. Uh, uh, they are contacted directly by the uh, Lateral Silverhand, the open lord of uh, Waterdeep, who suspects that Charnock is going to destroy the city of Waterdeep. And she sets them on the path, and away they go. Whoa, that is so badass. So that, and that's an exclusive. You can only play that at Winter Fantasy. You can only play that if you play with me. 
Oh, oh, that's amazing. Well, there's a reason right there to go to Winter Fantasy, folks. I will be running that again at GaryCon uh, nice. at the beginning of March here. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's really, really cool. Uh, we're definitely going to get into the, the Ravenloft stuff uh, more as we as we move on with this podcast. But I want to hear what some other people played. Uh, but that adventure you said you ran, that's uh, the traditional Sean Merwin adventure that kicks everything off? It absolutely is. Sean's fantastic designer, and this one is is probably some of his best work. Uh, Travis, what did you play uh, while you were at Winter Fantasy? So I guess it depends on what you define as play. Um, like Chris, I brought my own offering to the convention. I ran uh, five tables of my admin-only adventure. Wow. Uh, the adventure formerly known as Spaces Between the Spaces, now known as Places in Between. All right. Um, but loads of fun. I was kind of worried that I wasn't really ready to run it, but I had four good tables. I had a table that was so awesome mm-hmm. that they decided to play it twice with different characters. Nice. Two people at that table are actually in this conversation. as we- <laughs> <laughs> um, But I had a lot of fun. Um, in a nutshell, without you know giving out too many spoilers or anything like that, um, the adventure involves uh, a certain young uh, acolyte of Kelimvor who was rudely murdered uh, <laughs> by uh, one Elaid Burl um, and kind of tumbled through the multiverse for a bit before spitting her out uh, someplace that is everywhere and nowhere. Uh, and, uh, you know, the characters end up running around trying to find some stuff and do some things and <laughs> make, make friends along the way. Cause you know, that's important. Of course. Of course. Yeah. yeah. Life lessons. And then, uh, I also ran the Epic, the DDEP four. Nice. Um, the reclamation of flan. <laughs> so I got to yell a lot because we didn't have very good PA. Uh, lost my voice for a few days. So much, so many, all of the yelling. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the highlight of that night for me was getting to fly around as Vorgan Sharax and lay the hurt on people. So that was fun. <laughs> that does. That sounds awesome. That sounds really, really good. Uh, Paige, what did you play at Winter Fantasy? Well, actually, I was going to give this question to Ben because we sat every table together at Winter oh. Fantasy. Well, there you go. Well, why don't you guys We're the most tag disgusting team? couple. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess we should people. mention, right, for listeners out there, that you two are a romantic item. And, and in fact, uh, from the from the autobiographical files, Ben and I met because of D&D. Oh. Because I was running a convention <laughs> and he wanted to sit at Sean Molly's table. And I told him I could not guarantee him the seat Unless he took me out to lunch. Nice. That's smooth. That was was seven years ago. (laughs) And I really wanted to sit at Sean's table, and I was like, well, I guess I'll have to take her out on a date. Dang. Ah, See, I I tried to get Chris out to lunch like that once, and he just went and played something else. (laughs) (laughs) See, that's that's funny. I mean... you know, it's it's just different sometimes, Travis. It's just different <laughs> um, these days. As for what we played, uh, we made the mistake of purchasing. There are uh, 
Winter Fantasy is set up into tracks uh, that you can purchase that have a set of adventures that you stay with the same party the whole time uh, and with the same GM most of the time. It allows you to play those super cool author-onlys uh, like Travis's and Chris's. And we also played uh, Greg Marks's adventure and also Alan Patrick's adventure. And all of them were fabulous. And uh, I can definitely recommend if you get a chance to go to a convention where they're offering the author-onlys where they've been able to take one of the authors or admins and get them flown out, uh, then it's definitely worth the price of admission. And not just because the loot is pretty nice, but because the story... <laughs> you get into a certain rhythm when you play Adventures League, and it's not a bad rhythm. I mean, it's always good because you're either playing with people that you really know, and you have a, once you figure out the rhythm, you can take a little more time to roleplay. Or if you're playing with new people, it's a great way to learn about people and meet them uh, and kind of expand, you know, not to, not to turn, you know, total corp talk, but expand your network um, of gaming contacts and things like that. But uh, the advantage of the author only is, is that it is able to take that tempo that you're used to and throw it up on its head. And instead of expecting things to go a certain way, uh, they can go up, down, left, or in many cases, completely sideways. And it's really exciting to take these characters that have traveled together and have these plots together and then see them in really interesting and exciting new places that you can only go with authors that are able to bring that. So... Uh, we were able to play a bunch of author-onlys, we were able to play a bunch of high-level stuff, we actually were Tier 3 for Reclamation of Flan, and we had a fabulous time. Nice, nice, yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun. I'm really digging these uh, author-only adventures uh, that you get to play at the conventions if somebody's there. Uh, Carl, what did you play at Winter Fantasy? So, when I was uh, registering and trying to figure out what games I wanted to play, everything that I was looking for was sold out, so I ended up saying, you know what, I'll just DM uh, jump in and you know volunteer at my for my first uh, at my first con ever. I mean, usually I just go as a player, and so I ended up uh, running Quest for Sportome oh, and nice. uh, Writhings in the Dark, which um, was I think Writhings in the Dark actually just came out like right before uh, Winter Fantasy, and that one's written by oh. Alan Patrick as well. And it was um, just that one like between the two of them. Um, I mean, I love I loved them both because my conids are just awesome. But I thought Writhings in the Dark, that one, um, because I think it was newer, so like nobody had, you know, like I said, nobody had played it. So just all the little uh, secrets and surprises and then um, just like the maps. I, we took, a, so like the night before I drove down, I'm, you know, I'm in my family room drawing out maps and everything. And my wife's helping me draw this crazy boss lair map and I set it on the <laughs> table and, uh, yeah, there's a picture of it on my Twitter feed, so you guys will have to uh, check it out or something. But um, I lay it on the table the first time, and uh, this guy's like, holy cow. He's like, man, that's uh, you're messing with my mind because when you see it, you'll understand because it's all, like, lines and directions and just kind of spirals and trippy. And I was like, oh, man, like, you want me to uh, – I said, is this okay? Like, I'm worried, like, you know, he's going to have some issue, like, looking at it. He goes, no, it's awesome. He goes, keep going. <laughs> so <laughs> – yeah, so that was really re rewarding. But I ended up getting to play uh, Sith Morcane Unbound oh, as well. Nice. So yeah, I was basically I was able to play with uh, some other friends um, that I know via Twitter, and I was able to. And as the table kind of grew, there was like a we had like a Duragar Paladin, and this guy had a uh, he converted a mini so that his Duragar was riding on a Steeder Spider, and <laughs> we had uh, we had a Barbarian Sorcerer. 
And we had a, a, a deep gnome that thought he was masquerading as a 12 year old child. And then I was, uh, I was the emo bard. So it was like, we had all these great personalities just kind of bouncing back and forth the whole time. And there was a lot of laughing and just a lot of really good, a lot of good uh, stuff to be had there. Nice. Nice. So this was your first convention jumping in as a DM. Uh, would you do it again? I would totally do it again. Um, what I noticed is my first one, it was, uh, it was a little, uh, there was a little pressure cause it's like, I'm, you know, you're DMing for complete strangers as opposed to all your friends and the people that you know. And then, but by the time I got to the the second one, it was like, I was like, all right, let's do this. Let's jump in and, you know, we'll have a good time. And I think, um, I, I definitely think it showed, I think both groups had a lot of fun, but I think the second group, because I was maybe feeling more comfortable with myself, everybody else was, you know, feeling a little more comfortable too. So definitely worthwhile experience. It's, and like I, like I said, I think it's a great way to just give back and to kind of, uh, you know, help support all these conventions and things that we love so much. Well, now I want to ask you guys about Winter Fantasy. How does it compare to other cons? What makes it special? What makes it Winter Fantasy? And sort of where do you put it in the the size spectrum? You know, with Gen Con being one of the biggest gaming cons there is, and like me having a f- couple of people over to my house to play D&D uh, over all the way at the other end of the spectrum. Where do you put this kind of in the spectrum of, of cons and what makes Winter Fantasy Winter Fantasy? Uh, let's start with you, Chris. Winter Fantasy is a few hundred people at the most. It's very small. Um, it's, uh, I tend to know a lot of people who are going to Winter Fantasy when I, when I attend and so it seems to be to be a much more kind of intimate setting. Uh, the thing about Winter Fantasy is that it feels like the diehards of the diehards are there to play D and D, right? Uh, it, when you compare it to a, a really large convention like, of course, Gen Con and, and Origins and so forth, but even those aren't particularly large. Pax Prime here in Seattle has got like anywhere from 70 to 80,000 people in it. And it's just swarms swarms of people. And compared to that, Winter Fantasy is really just like a lark with a bunch of friends. (laughs) (laughs) That's all. I mean, that sounds great. And I do think... You know, I think people get burnout from some of the bigger cons over the years. You know, the the expense, the fighting for hotel rooms, all that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, is is Winter Fantasy maybe a little easier in that regard too uh, to navigate and uh, you know get a hotel room and that kind of thing? Just because there are less people, it seems like it is. And and it's been my experience uh, when you compare the expense for Winter Fantasy to other conventions that Fort Wayne hates money. <laughs> because they give stuff away. Like, it's so inexpensive to go and, like, to eat and to hang out and to have, you know, a good experience. You don't necessarily have to eat at Taco Bell in order to afford it, you know. So it's 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 pretty well situated there. Nice, nice. Well, so far I have author exclusives and inexpensive on my list of reasons to go. So I think I'm already there uh, for next <laughs> Winter Fantasy. Uh, Travis, what do you think? How, how does uh, – Winter Fantasy compared to other cons. Do you really like this one? I really like Winter Fantasy. Um, like as a, as far as like cons, I've been going to Pax Prime. It's you know forty minutes up the road. I've been going there. I think I've I've gone to every one since the first and second one, and uh, I, I love it. It's a huge con, but it's mostly oriented towards video games and stuff like that. And you know, tabletop gaming has a relatively small presence, so it's kind of like this 
quiet area where I can go away from the hustle and bustle of the huge convention hall with seizure-inducing flashing lights. And um, and then I got to Winter Fantasy, and I was like, huh, this is <laughs> tiny. It's just, you know, and, 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 you know, that's not a bad thing, you know, but it's mostly people who are really invested in the game and, more importantly to me, invested in the work we've been doing with it. So, you know, you get people who are, you know, because one of you know, with my adventure, it it uh, has a lot of roots in Caesar one. And one of the questions I, you know, prefaced every time I ran my adventure, one of the, the questions that I asked was, you know, how much do you know about season one? And, you know, across the board, I didn't have a single table that didn't know who Cassett was. And I didn't didn't know who a late Burl was and didn't know all their stories. So. The, the 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 audience at Winter Fantasy is a lot more invested. They're the kind of hardcore AL players that, that kind of validate what I do and what Chris does, and I like it a lot. Um, Gen Con, you know, it was. I mean, you summed it up by you know fighting over hotel rooms and standing in line at the Ram for an hour. It's <laughs> it wears out. Whereas at Winter Fantasy, Taco Bell's right there. I'll go to Taco Bell even though Will Straley hates it. <laughs> Euro King, not Taco Bell. The Euro King is right there. It's good times. <laughs> there's there's actually some good restaurants there that are worth plugging, but they're they're just a little bit of a walk away. Yeah. <laughs> there's more than Taco Bell people. It's still good food. It's still cheap. Yeah, but you the the fact that you can go 200 feet down the road to a Taco Bell and not stand in line in the middle of a convention boggles the mind to me. Yeah. I, 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 the first time I, I couldn't wrap my head around it. That makes sense. That makes sense. Paige, uh, what about you? What makes Winter Fantasy special? So I've been going to Winter Fantasy on and off for probably 15 years. Like it used to be in Arlington and kind of wander around a bit. Uh, I refer to Winter Fantasy as D&D Christmas because it's amazing. <laughs> it's cold and you're going to be too excited to sleep. Uh, <laughs> it is... It is my favorite convention, uh, pretty much, and that's including Origins, Gen Con, and even Dragon Con. Mm-hmm. Uh, if if I if you put me in jail and said we're only letting you out for one convention a year, which one is it going to be? It would be Winter Fantasy uh, because it's cheap. Mm-hmm. Um, like the hotel is like a hundred dollars a night. Like at Dragon Con, it's like three hundred and fifty dollars a night. At Gen Con, if you can get a hotel at the convention. <laughs> which you can't, uh, it's going to be $250 a night. Uh, The badges are cheap. Tickets are cheap. The GMs there are the cream of the crop because Dave Crist busts his butt into getting good feedback about them and training them and making sure that it's the good ones there. So you are much less likely to get some freakazoid robot as your GM. Uh, It's easy. No big lines. Uh, The content is amazing. Because if there's going to be new mods or a new epic or new something, it's going to be at Winter Fantasy before it's at anywhere else. It's got – there's a great relationship uh, between the Wizards staff and the current organized play campaign and past organized play campaigns and Winter Fantasy. And it's always going to have full wizard support. I've never known it not to. Even at Gen Con, the relationship has been complex between the con and wizards, but at Winter Fantasy, there's no doubt it is full of stars. One thing I like about D- uh, Winter Fantasy is that D&D is the main point. 
Like, you don't have to make that mind-numbing choice of, do I want to play D&D, or do I want to go hear Joss Whedon talk about what he would have done in second season of Firefly? Do I want to play D&D, or do I want to see the new board game that just won all the awards at Essen? <laughs> so, it's it's just D&D. You're not there to do anything else. So, that's why I like it. Nice. Nice. Well, I mean, that sounds amazing. Uh, D&D Christmas uh, is going to the top of my list of reasons that I should be going to Winter Fantasy. Uh, Do it. I have a feeling if enough people listen to this podcast, you guys may have uh, you may have just blown it out and made it. We're, we're ruining it right yeah. now. <laughs> you are. And yes, I'm... Winter Fantasy is terrible. Don't go. <laughs> <laughs> Dave won't complain if you're there. <laughs> uh, ben, what do you love about Winter Fantasy? So, I mean, the flip side of that is that this is the first year that I have gone where there haven't been at least three feet of snow on the ground in Fort Wayne. So, usually, Winter Fantasy is not like, do-do-do-do-do, done to Taco Bell. Usually, it's, I better get all my cold weather gear on and my survival outfit <laughs> and get on down to Taco Bell so I can get the rations to get through my next slot. Um but as for what I like about Winter Fantasy, uh, I echo a lot of things that Paige likes about it. You get the cream of the crop GMs. You get whatever the cool stuff is. You get it there first. You get a lot of hardcore players, and you get a lot of people that have played before and kind of share that same uh, respect for the story and mentality about uh, what's cool. So as opposed to, like, when we were in games at Dragon Con, you get a whole lot of people that are just walk-ups they're like hey i heard about DD, you know either from my friend or i've heard that DD is cool from the guild or from critical role or from you know insert your given way that DD is no longer only for nerds but it's actually for you know cool people now uh and so we run them through either at one of the two-hour mods and i'm one of the few people that's like yay more two-hour mods that we can stretch into four hours when we feel like so, but uh, either we run through a two-hour mod that gets some, you know, an idea of what it's like rolling dice and mm-hmm. doing the math and telling the story together, um, or we run them through the fabulous intro mods. And by the way, the new the new one, which I know we have a question about shortly, uh, four one is I think the best one yet. Well, Winter Fantasy is like uh, the people have said before me. It's the show you go to where if you love D anD D, you go there and you play lots of great D anD D that you can't get anywhere else with some of the best people that play or run D anD D around. Nice. Yeah, it sounds like uh, they do a great job of vetting the DMs, um, which is always a great thing, uh, especially when you're at a huge convention. You need so many GMs. I imagine you would might just take whoever you can get in some cases. Um, well, so Dave has the Dave Chris has the Herald's Guild set up, and I don't know a whole lot about it because I always go to his cons to play because I spend a lot of my time organizing and judging in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. But uh, the little that I've heard about the Herald's Guild, where there's a, a certain amount of threshold of amount that you've had to have GM'd, and then they they give feedback. Every player gets a feedback card, and you can do that for. Um, so that they can judge DMs and kind of what you need help on and not necessarily be like, oh, you're a terrible GM and we never want to have you back, but more to be like, oh, I see you need a little bit of help giving your NPCs some strange voices. Let's talk to you about doing some strange voices, all right? Gotcha, gotcha. (laughs) uh, And they do seminars for DMs, and it's a great place where they kind of get people set up uh, so that... uh, 
DMs don't walk into it, do one or two, and then kind of get discouraged that things don't exactly go as they do at home. It's a great way to learn and adjust your DM skill set because it really is a skill set. That sounds awesome. So, Carl, what about you? How does Winter Fantasy compare to other conventions? So compared to other conventions, um, I think first off, I just want to say that with all the restaurants you guys were talking about, I'm surprised nobody threw out Jimmy John's because they will literally just walk in and find your table and deliver to you right then and there. So I know it's not, maybe not what everybody else wants, but I mean, that's, that's pretty legit in my book. Uh, (laughs) And then, uh, and then for the weather, don't let people uh, be discouraged about all this cold and snow stuff because it was warmer there than it was up where I'm at. So, I mean, for me, it was like, I'm walking across the street in you know, my jeans and just a sweatshirt and everyone else has like trench coats and like hats and all this other crazy stuff. So I guess it all depends on where you hail from, but um, in terms of yeah, in terms of uh, just some of the other cons and stuff, uh, it's pretty much just repeating what everybody else said. In terms that uh, like Gen Con, obviously is just huge. That was the first con that I ever went to, and it was just overwhelming the amount of people. And then there's a there's a local one up here over by uh, the University of Michigan. And they're like, you're in the, all the D and D is maybe like three tables in a little hotel conference room and that's it. And it's great because, you know, there's only, it's not crowded and you can talk to whoever's there. And I feel like winter fantasy was just taking that, that small Michigan con called Yukon and just kind of expanding it and throwing more tables and a bigger room and just tons of people that are just excited to be there and to just talk D and D. Like I would just, hang out, you know, in between my sessions and, you know, go to the, um, you have to go to the meeting places in order to kind of get divided up into tables and whatnot. And just talking with the people there, like, you know, what are you, are you running games? Are you playing? What's your character like? You know, do you play a lot at home? Just kind of getting a feel for how people play the game and, uh, what, what interests them the most. Um, so I thought that that was one of the things that I really loved about it. Um, the other thing too, uh, kind of piggybacking off of the DM rating sheets is, um, that was something that I had yet to see. So when, you know, I'm DMing and everyone's getting these sheets and they have to grade me, it's like, Oh shoot, like good thing. You know, I stayed up late, you know, drawing maps before I came and I made some props and I, uh, (laughs) brought miniatures and it was like, cause when I volunteered to DM, my whole point was saying, okay, this is a con. People are going to cons to expect something big. So, you know, I want to give it my all so that people walk away and say, you know what, like even, you know, that aspect was really cool or, you know, I'm really glad we had something unique. And so um, my goal was to give it to them. And then the fact that, you know, I'm being graded on it too is like, oh boy, (laughs) stuff's real. And it's great that you went through the effort and, and put that in. I'd like to be in your home group if that's the kind of effort you're putting into con games and everything, man. So, uh, good on you and good on you for, for, you know, putting yourself out there and, and DMing at a con for the first time. That's really awesome. Uh, so why don't we move on? Let's get to the good stuff. All right. We, one reason to go to winter fantasy this year was obviously because that's where the curse of Strahd for the adventurers league, you know, your premier adventures were starting there. You could begin the storyline at winter fantasy, um, and, and get that exclusive feel before anybody else did. Uh, what were those adventures like? Did they feel like Ravenloft? Were you having a great 
great time? You know, was it different than everything else that we've seen so far from the other three storylines? Uh, how was it? Uh, Chris, let's start with you. Oh, well, the, the adventures uh, we, had, we ran, they were – okay, so basically it's a series of mini-adventures, right? Mm-hmm. And they ran on Sunday after the – after the epic, because in the storyline, they come kind of after the epic. So in the wake of the reclamation of Flan, you know, heroes are, are journeying up and doing all kinds of, you know, they're, they're sallying forth essentially into the, into the, into the hills and the forests nearby uh, because they're trying to reestablish trade routes and so on and so forth. And they're just finding that stuff is weird. And it just, as you go through the little mini adventures, it gets weirder and weirder and weirder. Uh, until you find out that uh, you know ultimately that you're in, in a really bad way and you don't know if you can get back mm-hmm. to where you were when you started, and it's a, that feeling of being trapped. I think that's really encapsulated very well in uh, that initial adventure. Nice. It sounds very much like that traditional uh, Ravenloft module that came out, uh, you know, that, that Tracy Hickman, the very first thing we saw from them uh, where things got weird and suddenly you realized when it was too late that you were trapped. Uh, you know, uh, it, it sounds like you guys have really captured that feel. Uh, well, exactly. Adventures. Yeah. And, and I will say with the actual Curse of Strahd published adventure that Tracy came in and he helped out with uh, crafting that with Chris Perkins uh, in-house and putting that together for us. Um, and they had some fantastic brainstorm sessions, and they really riffed really well off of each other. And it's going to be it's going to be a fantastic adventure. Nice, nice. Yeah, to be a fly on the wall in that room, man, uh, <laughs> <laughs> must have been great. Uh, so, yeah. and you also played in the uh, in the epic, right? Uh, so you you kind of put people to the test. How was it? Were you impressed? The epic was was really good. I I was kind of hoping that they they didn't have to scream like they did, uh, the, but the PA system sort of failed them there. Um, uh, I had a really good time playing the epic. It really felt like you were in a war. There was a bit of a chaos aspect to it in that you're just like, okay, so now where do we go next? One of the things I really appreciated the most was that they put the giant map of of Vaughan and the area around it up on. Uh, the wall, so the whole hall could see it, and we could see where everybody was at any given time, and we could see, hey, if there's something going on, if there's a mission up there that's not really being addressed, and we, if we are, you know, it's our turn to pick a new mission, maybe we should go check that out to make sure it gets covered, right? So we, we had that option to see what was going on with all the other groups. Oh, that is so badass. I like that a lot. That's really, really cool. And that's the kind of thing you can only get at a convention. Um, Precisely. You really felt like you were like everybody in the room was kind of working together that way. Nice, nice. That's great. That's really, really cool. Uh, Travis, you were obviously doing some uh, Curse of Strahd Ravenloft stuff as well. Uh, how was your experience with that? Um, it was pretty good. I mean, my uh, season four stuff. Uh, I, I was I spent most of the con running my adventure. Mm-hmm. I did, however, run the epic. Um, so I didn't get a chance to do a whole lot with. Uh, 4-1, um, but in, you know, my admin hat, uh, I know I've read it, I've edited it, viewed it, drew maps for it. So it's a really neat kind of transition from where you're starting and where you end up. Um, it's kind of subtle and, uh, by the end you kind of like, uh, crap. 
<laughs> you know, so you know, it's I'm looking forward to see some feedback on it. Um, as far as the epic goes, Chris hit on the big points. You know, we had that huge map on the wall. Uh, the 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 designer uh, Will Doyle, you know, he blew it out of the park. He he went all out, and it shows. And you know, we had this huge map of Flan and the surrounding area um, with you know little individual markers for each table. Um, you know, showing where they were at, and it was a lot of work. You know, that involved you know uh, a runner coming up every time they went to someplace new. They runner would come up, you know, tell us where they were at. We'd run over and change it on the on the map. <clears throat> uh, but it 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 was kind of neat. Uh, you know, it felt like a war effort. You know, you had you know myself and the other admins running from table to table with these boons, handing them out to the DMs as other tables would earn them and turn them in and. It was it was really really awesome. I had a lot of fun doing it, even though my voice, I I still you know it's what two weeks later my voice still hates me. <laughs> yeah, I, I would have loved to have a bullhorn. <laughs> yeah, you'll have to see about getting that for your next convention. So oh yeah, uh, I imagine that could be quite dangerous though if you had unrestricted bullhorn access. I'm probably not the best person to give a bullhorn to. <laughs> and say go <laughs> nice nice uh page uh did you play any uh curse of strahd stuff and what was your experience with that like if you did i did uh rgm was the lovely and talented dan urbacher mm. and uh we had a great time uh i believe we all made up new characters and i have a um a life cleric who is a pacifist and she's like, no, we can't hurt anybody. You know, you only, you only fight monsters and we, you know, if they're growling and slobbering with tentacles, it's okay. But you know, if they're humanoid, you have to talk to them. So it was um, a very interesting mod to play. No spoilers with this uh, woman who is starting to look at her basic principle of who and what she is, is that she is there to preserve life mm -hmm. and uh, looking at ways where it's like, well, maybe, Maybe we got to think about this. Maybe that's not such a good idea. <laughs> so it's really fun. It was yeah, really yeah. That's a great, uh, great character choice for uh, something like a gothic horror adventure. You know, um, it's, I imagine you have a complex, layered character now uh, just by putting her into that situation. How about you, Ben? Uh, did you like playing the Ravenloft stuff? So, yes, uh, it was really great because it was one of those things that, uh, you know, you hear about. And it's like, ooh, 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 we get to do the thing. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> um, and then, uh, unlike, you know, in many things, you get something hyped up in your head and then uh, it doesn't quite live up to expectations. Well, this did, and not to, you know, overhype it, but as someone that uh, has enjoyed Ravenloft and Gothic Horror and all of that stuff for quite a while. It lived up to expectations. There's a um, sense of desperation that you get from some of the NPCs that does a really great job of highlighting the horror without actually being, you know, jump scare, ooga booga scary. Mm -hmm. um, or surprise, like, oh, my CR is much higher than you can possibly deal with scary. Um, which all too often just turns to frustrating, but the way it's written that there's more going on and there's just enough like hints in the mists uh, mm -hmm. to get you going is great that uh, that it leads to that moment where you're like, oh, oh, I need to go be heroic. I've just totally screwed myself because I'm heroic. 
<laughs> I totally deserve that, and now I'm stuck. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it is a great slow burn kind of psychological horror, uh, which is always, always a great thing uh, to to play with. Carl, did you get to play in any of the Curse of Strahd stuff, and uh, did you enjoy it? So this is going to sound, you know, kind of bad, but I was only able to stay for the first half of Winter Fantasy. Oh, no, Carl. Yeah, so I know, I'm, I'm like the... the black sheep or whatever of the group. But um, one of the things though, that, you know, talking to some other players, because some other people, you know, they weren't able to stay until Sunday because Sunday was, you know, the big Ravenloft thing and Saturday was the big Epic. And they were kind of like, yeah, you know, I wish I would have gotten a chance to check out some of the new stuff. Cause the first half was basically, you know, all the, the continuing rage of demons adventures and things. And then they kind of shifted that over. So, I mean, I understand why they do it. And I still had a great time, but it was kind of, you almost wonder if there was a way that they could somehow coordinate something so that there's like a little taste of the new season sprinkled throughout, you know, the entire con or something. But I know it's takes a ton of time to organize, so I'm not complaining, but just, you know, thought. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I, I totally, totally understand. So, and, you know, it is nice when you can go to a con even for a day or a couple of days. I think that always is is super cool um, and super helpful. You get to be there, you get to play games, and then sometimes you, you got to be on your way. So, uh, you know, I know I've only been able to make it to half conventions and stuff because of weddings and and babies and other stuff like that so it makes perfect perfect sense just real quick what was your favorite part of winter fantasy uh and chris Lindsay, we'll start with you again oh my gosh my favorite part of winter fantasy actually uh happened behind the scenes where nobody could see well not nobody where only a few people could see what was going on and that is uh, the main reason that I was there, and and my my, my manager as well, Mister Mister Mike Merles, uh, the reason why the, we were there uh, primarily was uh, all of our folks, all of our admins who work uh, really hard on making D and D Adventures League so awesome, uh, were going to be at the show, and we wanted to have uh, some time to spend with them uh, and, uh, plan out, uh, future and future, future and future, future, future stuff. <laughs> uh, I can't really talk about right now. Of course. Of course. The yeah. fact that we had some, so much time, we probably had about, Oh, between them and, and talking to Dave and stuff. We had about 20 hours worth of meetings while we were there. And, uh, we, uh, got a lot of stuff. We covered a lot of ground and, uh, and, and we are, uh, I'm telling you, we're gearing up for some very, very exciting stuff. Uh, it's going to be fun uh, uh, going forward in the next few years. Uh, I am very, very excited, and I'm, I'm hoping that everybody is ready to go along for the ride. It's going to be great. Yeah, I have to say, uh, you know, there have been some really, really big surprises. Everything from the DMs Guild uh, with the launch of the SRD and the OGL, you know, that all of those things kind of launching at once. That was really awesome to be like, and guess what? There's a store where you can use our licensed material and yada, yada. Uh, and seeing even just the, the small changes in the way the storytelling evolves from season to season in the Adventurers League. Like, once you enter Barovia, you can't use your character to play... A another, you know, uh, Adventurers League game until that character figures out a way to leave Barovia. All that kind oh, yeah. of stuff gets me excited for what's, what are they going to think of next, you know? Yeah, uh, yeah. we were we were amped when the, uh, the Dungeon Masters Guild launched. Um, and really, what I really just want to do is I want to reach out to all of the fans out there who love to create 
content already and they just do it for their home games and say, hey, now there's a place where you can go and share your stuff and show people how cool you are. <laughs> it is. Uh, it's great. I've got a couple of products on there and, you know, it's, it's awesome because it's stuff that I would have made anyway. And now it's making me a couple extra bucks and giving me some exposure. You know, um, I, I yep. highly recommend people check it out. And, and, and folks can give you on. feedback and you can grow and learn and become a better designer. And, and that's all good. Yeah. Yeah. And you learn a lot about layout too uh which is <laughs> yes you do <laughs> way harder than i ever thought it would be so yep. uh, layout professionals are high demand <laughs> yes yeah yeah so uh i i owe a lot more uh some print designers who i have known in my time i i need to call them and give them more props than i have in the back back in the day so yeah uh, <laughs> uh travis what was your favorite part of winter fantasy I, I can say that it was the awesome people that I had the honor and the privilege of playing with. I could say that it was running the epic. I could say it was sweaty hugs with Schwab. But <laughs> like two blocks down the road at J.K. O'Donnell's, they had this dessert. <laughs> <laughs> this chocolate thing is like something chocolate or death by chocolate or chocolate on chocolate, I can't remember what it was called, but holy lord, that was good. <laughs> um, no, it, it's it, there's I can't say what my favorite is. There's just too much awesome stuff to to go over. But yeah, like Chris touched on, um, the a lot of meetings, uh, but you know we went over tons and tons of stuff, awesome ideas, awesome stuff on the horizon, uh, awesome adventures, awesome people, just awesome. All of it. All of the things. How much more awesome could Winter Fantasy get? None. None more awesome. That's excellent. That's very, very excellent. Well, you guys have definitely sold me. I'm um, getting ready for when I can buy my badge for next year. I'm, I'm in already. Uh, you come and I'll give you a sweaty hug. Oh, nice. Yeah, it'll be like a, like a transfer from Schwab to See. you to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, Paige. Now I'm going to have to demand a sweaty hug too. <laughs> a sweaty hugs for everybody. <laughs> Uh, Paige, what was your favorite part of Winter Fantasy? Uh, it's like asking <laughs> me which of my children I love the best. <laughs> so let me put it this way. Uh, from a quantitative perspective, there were so many games there, and I had to play Travis's game twice because mm-hmm. I liked it that much. <laughs> nice. Well, there you go. I think that, that makes perfect sense. So Travis's game was your favorite part of Winter Fantasy. I think Woo-hoo! so. The, the, the author only is in general, but uh, particularly Travis's, um, to the point where my little uh, my little friends back home in Atlanta are like, tell me about it now! How did you get there? <laughs> really upset they didn't get to play that game. <laughs> uh, ben, what was your favorite part of Winter Fantasy? So even though Travis is here, and I, I just requested sweaty maybe Schwab hugs from him. I'm going to have to say uh, Alan Patrick's <laughs> author only um, because uh, it's one of those things that you go into. And basically as soon as you learn the premise, you're like, this is a terrible idea. And it only gets worse throughout the next four hours of your life uh, to the point where at the end, your character's like, why did I do this again? Why did I ever think this was a good idea? Mm-hmm. But you have an amazing time the entire way through. Nice. Uh, however, all the author onlys I'm going to say are amazing. Uh, Travis's is also amazing. I also played Greg Marx's, which was also amazing. Uh, they're beautiful and they're 
just like children, they're beautiful in their own special, different way. And I only got to say Alan because Paige jumped on the grenade of saying Travis is first. Um, because I did play Travis's twice, and uh, I enjoyed it immensely both times as well. In addition to the author-onlys, because honestly, the chances that everyone's going to be able to do the author-onlys is small. And in addition to nobody's, not everybody's going to be able to get together to an epic. Uh, one of the adventures I got to play that really did an amazing job of capturing the epic feel and giving you enough rope to hang yourself with is, uh, I believe it's DD-316 Assault on Rimdra. Mm, um, and... It uh, it really just does. It's beautifully written. It does an amazing job of giving you the feel like you're a part of an epic movement that's occurring uh, without needing the ten or twenty or however many tables of people you need to have with you at the same time. That's awesome. That's excellent. So uh, let me just. I- I'm getting the feeling from you, Ben, that you like to punish your characters. You seem like maybe you, you have a little bit of uh, kind of masochism going on. So I I play a lot of fates where. Oh, Say no more. You get rewarded for terrible things happening to your characters. Right, right. Uh, And I guess I'm a glutton for punishment in that way. And it's a way where I'm like, oh, what way can my character develop through horrible, horrible things happening to them this time? (laughs) There you go. There you go. Fake players. Say no more. They're all masochists. Uh, (laughs) Carl, what was your favorite part of Winter Fantasy? So I touched on this kind of before, and everyone else kind of touched on this with different things. But to me, it was just the, the people and the things that they would share with uh, me as you know, we talked, like one guy was showing me videos of his game room at home that he plays with his group. And there's, you know, he's got like shelves for all his books and minis and his special table that he, you know, he made. And then for other guys, they're showing me like cases of all the minis that they painted and they brought just so that, you know, they, they have their figures and they could share figures with other people at the table that may not have them. And then just, um, just some of the, the people that you end up meeting. I ended up uh, eating breakfast uh, one morning with uh, one of the, the developers for the Living Forgotten Realms. And so we, I was just able to ask him, like, okay, well, you know, how do you provide feedback? And, like, what do you look for in an adventure? And, um, you know, like, what, how do you, like, work in cliches or, like, not use cliches? Or, like, what's interesting to you, really? And then just, you know, always what's your home game like? What do you guys play? And it was just really eye-opening. And it's just, uh, it takes you from looking at your own small little world of the people that you play games with and seeing like all the other ideas and um, just what other people do and just how happy they are to share that and to just contribute. Nice. Well, that sounds really, really cool. Uh, So, and I'm super excited uh, that you got to go there, you got to DM for the first time, and you got to come here on the round table and hobnob among the elite over there uh, at Winter Fantasy. Uh, it's quite the honor. <laughs> All right, before we go, uh, a final question is always, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, Chris Lindsay, we will start with you once again. Uh, okay, there's a, a couple of different places. My... Uh, 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 Twitter feed uh, is at Onatrix, which is O-N-N-A-T-R-X. Um, and you can see whatever I'm up to whenever I decide to put something on Twitter, which is not that often, but it happens at least a couple times a day, maybe. That is probably the best way to find me on the interwebs is there. Uh, occasionally, I'm posting in like, you know, Facebook forums and stuff like that when it has to do specifically with the uh, 
the uh, the LCs and the RCs and all that kind of good stuff. All the folks that are running the Adventures League stuff, but uh, but really, uh, if you want to see something uh, strange and unique, uh, the banter between myself and my boss because I play in his D and D game, <laughs> uh, he likes to punish me there, uh, 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 is sometimes hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds awesome. That sounds awesome. Uh, <laughs> Travis, where can people find you? I am on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, I try, I've been working harder on being on Facebook more in my capacity. And there's like a billion and a half Dungeons and Dragons groups that I post on. Um, yep. I do tweet. I am a Twitter. Uh, <laughs> if you follow me, you will be my Twitty. Um, I can be found at, at Travis Woodall. Um, I do not have Instagram. I do not have What's the one where you swipe left or right? Tinder. Tinder. I do not Tinder. <laughs> you probably. Um, my wife won't, <laughs> yeah. won't let me do that. Um, Ashley Madison, I don't do that anymore. Uh, but Facebook, Twitter, those are probably the best places to get a hold of me. Of course. And we will include all of the <clears throat> Adventurers League links and various other places where you can find Travis in the show notes over at thetomeshow.com. Just like we'll link everybody's contact information. Uh, but if you want to find out more about the Adventurers League and find more conventions that you can go to and meet all these people, check us out, thetomeshow.com, in the show notes for this episode. Paige, where can people find you? Uh, probably the best place to get me publicly is at Paige Lightman on Twitter. I am also on Facebook, which is just uh, facebook.com backslash page dot Lightman. Excellent. Excellent. And how is Lightman spelled? L-E-I-T-M-A-N. Excellent. Excellent. The I-E are backwards. When my grandfather got to Ellis Island, they had to issue him some vowels. Oh, gotcha. Well, there you go. Uh, <laughs> uh, with a name like Intracasso, I totally understand. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, ben, where can people find you? So I'm on Twitter fairly regularly. Uh, you can reach me either at uh, my personal one is Zentarum PR. So Zentarum, like the faction, uh, <laughs> and then PR, like public relations. <laughs> Uh, I have a character that is a outspoken member of the Tarm and is happy to uh, do battlefield conversions. Uh, and I'm likely to have done a few of those uh, in the middle of mods. And then the other one that you can reach either Page or I at if you're looking for conventions in the Atlanta area is Atlanta or at Atlanta DDAL. So Atlanta, like the city, and then DDAL. Uh, we just don't have the ampersand in there. Nice, nice. That is cool. I will definitely check that one out. I haven't played that one yet. Uh, So that is on my list. Uh, And Carl, where can people find you? So I'm pretty active on Twitter, uh, at Artificer, like the class. Elf, that's A-L-F, and it's all just one word. So Artificer, Elf. Nice, like the alien that eats cats. Yeah, basically. Awesome. (laughs) (laughs) There's there's a little more to it than that, but yeah. That's that's the best way to remember it. The Mel Mackian. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Well, thank you all for being on the show. My guests, Chris, Travis, Ben, Carl, and Paige. And before we go, there's a final quick segment we've started doing every week here on the Roundtable. We're highlighting a different DMs Guild product to give designers a chance to shine. This week's highlighted product, the 5e adventure, The Temple of Shattered Minds, from frequent guest panelist, James J. Hake. 
This adventure for PCs of fifth level is only $3.95. Guys, that's less than you'd pay for a pack of magic cards. Come on. And it fits into any campaign setting. It's separated into three parts. The characters first investigate a grim mystery in an elven village, hunt for answers in a lethal swamp, and they finally confront a desperate killer in the Temple of Shattered Minds itself. It's packed with awesome maps, great artwork, and a killer story from one of the greatest storytellers I know, James J. Hake. There is a direct link to the Temple of Shattered Minds over in the show notes for this episode at thetomeshow.com. All right, everybody, you can find me on Twitter at James and Tricasso. That's at J-A-M-E-S-I-N-T-R-O-C-A-S-O. Also, check out my blog, which is all about Exploration Age, the fifth edition world I'm building over at worldbuilderblog.me. There's tons of free resources for your D&D 5e games there and links to my own DMs Guild products, which are all currently pay what you want. Okay, everyone, thanks for listening. Special thanks to Jeff Greiner for letting us join the Tome Show lineup and thanks to Sam Dillon for getting this podcast out there on the airwaves. Our theme music, which you're listening to right now, was composed by Eric Michaels. Don't forget to go to thetomeshow.com and use the affiliate links whenever you shop on Amazon or the DMs Guild to help support the show. And hey, if you like the show, please rate the show on iTunes and like us on Facebook. Keep on rolling and keep on listening to the round table. <laughs> <laughs>